said, guys, our church does have a theme verse. And Pastor Jeff, when he was coming to start this church in 2003, prayed, and he felt that the Lord had given him this verse as a theme for the church. And he did that in 2003, which I'm not a math genius, but now that we're in the new year, that's 20 years ago, which sounds crazy to my brain. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it sound weird? Yeah, so 20 years ago, when Pastor Jeff was starting this church, God gave him this verse as a theme, and we painted it on the back wall just so we don't, we don't forget. And it's, it's kind of an unusual verse, and that's why we want to unpack it today. And what I want to do is simply go through this verse, talk about some meanings of it, and then lay it out as a kind of a commitment. I want us to, I think it's always been a theme and a value in things that we've done in this church. You know, we've lived this out, but I want us, as we're talking through it, I want you and then us together as a group to really commit to taking it to the next level of living this out in 2023 in our own lives and in our own and in our whole church together. So there'll be like corporate ways and family ways, independent ways and everything. So let God speak to you as we go through this. And the verse that he got when he asked God, like, hey, I'm about to start this church. What do you want it to be like? And all that kind of thing was God gave him this verse. And it's from 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. And so what we want to do is, like I said, commit ourselves to living that out in as many ways as possible. So the first thing is, let's get to the bottom of what we mean by this and what this means to us. So I think let's just break this down and we'll walk through each part. And we won't take too long because there's chili outside that we need to eat. But the first part of this verse, and it starts, um, if you're looking in your Bible or whatever, and you're like, there's a little piece right before this. This is technically like, if you were going to be like a Bible nerd, I think it would be 1 Thessalonians 2.8b or something like that. Because uh, there is like a little we cared for you part at the beginning. But it's part of a larger thought that Paul is having. He's writing... Thessalonians, and he's talking about his relationship with them, how proud he is of them, and all this kind of stuff. But he's also reminding them of how he lived among them, and that's where this verse comes. And so it's a challenge to us. It's not really a challenge in the sense of, like, can you do it? It's more of like a direction that I think God is giving us as a church to, this is how you can live out my kingdom in this place. So the first part of it, because we loved you so much, I think that whatever we're doing in living this verse out needs to be motivated by love. Like, Paul was saying, I, we loved you guys so much, that's why we did all this stuff, the stuff that we're about to talk about. But he's like, but it wasn't motivated out of like, you know, anger or hate or anything else. It's motivated by love. So that's the core value, the core quality of God that we would want to, you know, be emulating for everybody else. So that has to be the starting point, you know. Us, God says, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself including everybody, you see? So us being motivated by loving other people, not by hating them or being afraid of them or whatever. The second part, because we love you so much, we were delighted. This delighted, you know, carries with it like joy and excitement, you know, not like drudgery or um, I don't even know. You know what I mean. The different, like this is, this is a good thing. This is good news. This is an exciting thing. Like Christmas morning, Everybody was excited to get up, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. That's the idea, this kind of excitement. Um, the next part, share. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share. Now, this share is the verb share. Not like I have a share in that company, you know what I mean? But it's like I'm sharing with you. I'm giving you the actual, like, 
you know, Webster's definition is to have a portion of something with another or others. So it's like actually choosing, because I love you so much, I'm happy to share with you and us saying to everyone, because we love you so much, all those around us, that we're delighted to share with you. And there's two things about this I would want to note about this share thing. It's not like, the way it's phrased in this is so, um, there are other places, so I, 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 sometimes my mind starts debating myself. There are other places where we're like, basic, like, like Jesus commands us to love our enemies, right? Like that's not like, an, he's like, hey, you know, a little suggestion, maybe, you know, that's kind of a, you're just commanded to do that, you know what I mean? So, but this phrasing of this, is he saying, like, we didn't just love you because God made us because ha- we had to or something like that. We actually loved you so much we liked sharing with you. We were delighted. This idea of sharing, to me, is not something that is forced on you in the sense, like, it's something you're choosing to do. I think it's a very important part of this, that you are, you, meaning you, me, you, are delighted, that you're sharing willingly to other people. It's something you want to do, not something that somebody's making you do. It's not like communism, like, we're going to take it all and spread it. You know, it's like, I'm going to give this because he's like, it's not yours. I'm giving it to you. You see what I'm saying? And it's also, the other thing is that when we give something, it becomes both of ours or shared. You know, like I'm sharing this with you. Like if I had pie and then I said, hey, John, here's a piece of my pie. Now we both have pie. Everybody understand this pretty basic stuff. But now it's not like I have pie and he doesn't. Now we both have pie. So it kind of, anyway, whatever, you get the point. Um, <laughs> because we love you so much, we were delighted to share willingly with you not only the gospel. So the gospel, this is, the, you know, and again, we don't need to, we know all these things, but I'm just, it's a good re-up. You know, the, this, the gospel is the story and the revelation of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is and why that matters. And uh, if you remember a couple months ago, we pulled up uh, this very simple uh, summary that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, where he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you of first importance, and that's this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, big deal, and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then it goes on to say he appeared to people, including Paul. So that's kind of the nutshell of the message of the gospel. Or, you know, the most famous Bible verse that there is is this John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not pow- perish but have eternal life. And the Christian life that we have, all of us, is to reform our lives around this revelation of what that changes. And the answer is that changes everything. You know, it's the salvation of, of you know, it's the only way of salvation to not perish, you know, and die eternally in hell or any of these things. It's this, this is the message of good news that Jesus is in charge and all the other systems that think they are aren't. Okay? That's the good news of it. And to live our lives in light of that um, is our whole project. And the sharing of that gospel is what partly we exist to do as a church. We share that news to other people because, you know, not everybody knows that. And even some people think they know it, they don't know it, you know. And so. That's the sharing the gospel part, which Paul is, the, the reason I'm going through that, which I know you all know the gospel, is the funny thing is that he's like, you know, we didn't share, we shared not only the gospel with you. Meaning like, he's like, I could have just come, dropped that and left, and that would have been worthwhile and good, you know, and that kind of stuff does happen. But he's making a very specific statement here. He's saying, I'm, we loved you guys, we, were, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share not o- with you, not only the gospel, but our lives as well. 
And he's not saying their lives are more important, but he's saying that, like, we could have just dropped the news and left, but we actually, like, shared our lives with you guys. And this is kind of where um, I want to hang out a little bit here, is that our lives, <laughs> I wrote down, our lives is the rest of what we do. So I think everybody knows what your life is. You know, the life is everything. You know, there, there's, in our culture, you can get really, like, this is a churchy thing, so I'm going to build a little box and then put churchy things in there. And then there's, like, all that other stuff I do. And the Bible doesn't really give you that. Like, that type of living isn't Christian, first off. Let's just clear that up. Like, if you have a church box where you do churchy things and that's your Christianity, that's not, that's something else. That's like a little club or something. And I'm not saying it's all bad. It's just not Christianity. Like, Jesus is a, he's a takeover type person which includes your life and everything, hence the whole dying and, you know, reborn and all that. I know you know all this. I'm just reminding. But uh, Paul is saying that they they loved all these people so much that they shared the good news that they had to share with them and lived among them. And this is where I think that God has given us the key to the whole thing. And if you remember, it, the book it didn't land well. Um, and I, I might remind everyone, like, the book that I had said, hey, y'all should all read this, and it didn't land so well. The, the gospel comes with a house key. It was this, this I, I do highly recommend this book, so the gospel comes with a house key. Buy it and read it. But don't get, remember the principalizing thing? This is where we got hung up before. Like, I didn't explain it well enough. Um, this lady's journey into the kingdom was literally just because these Christian people kept inviting her over for dinner. And she was a hostile person to the gospel. There's details in her life that she explains about that, that like, not only was I not a believer, I was against Christian people because they were stupid and evil, okay? That's not the easy one, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes people are like, man, this guy's really down on his luck. We can really help you as a church. And they go, wow, because of how you helped me, I really feel loved, and now I want to be knowing Jesus more. That one's pretty easy to get. But there's other people that are like, I knowingly know what you stand for, and I hate you. And you go, oh, okay, that's hard. That's where she was. And these people are like, why don't you come to our house for dinner? And she was like, oh, gosh, you know. And then this whole thing starts to unravel. And it wasn't, like, that hard. You see what I'm saying? Somehow, this sharing your life part made the gospel part work, and it kind of proved it. And you can read through Thessalonians. Paul kind of makes a note of this several times. Like, hey, you know, I don't have to prove. Like, y'all know what happened, and I'll read you a little chunk of it here at the end. And uh, so what I think God is calling us to do in this year is to actually figure out for you, for me, how to share these two things, the gospel in our lives, not separately, but together as one thing with whoever we need to share them with. And I'm not going to give you the list. I don't know who it is. Like, some of your neighbors may not want to talk to you at all right now, and it may be good reason for that. You know, <laughs> I don't know how you all live. But the point is, um, <laughs> the, uh, there's somebody that we need to be sharing with, right? And so the, my whole thing is that we get so intimidated Partially because of that church box thing. Where they're like, well, I, you know, you do the church thing, so you get it. You're a pastor and all, so it's easy for you to do all the churchy stuff. But, like, I don't, I don't know. How, I'm not qualified to share things. You are, actually. Because it starts with just hanging out with people, you know, and then them kind of noticing how you live. And, again, Paul brings all this stuff up in the rest of the book, and you can read it. But I, I think there's a couple things that we get scared about sharing. I think we don't share with other people because we're like, 
worried that we'll run out of things sometimes. You know, like if I give John a piece of pie and then give everybody, like eventually I don't have any more pie, right? You know, that's a that's a worry in the back of the mind. And then also, um, I think there's like the what if it hurts me part of it. You know what I mean? And I'll just clear that one up. It will. Like there's no, there is no way around that. Like the gospel story that we we know to be true is that Jesus, and we're about to see all this in Exodus as we go through this, is that Jesus has come to save us. He died on the cross, as Paul just said, for our sins, and he rose again, proving that he's 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 over sin and death. However, we're still all going to die, all of us in this room. You know what I mean? But we don't have to fear it anymore. So it's not that he's he's ultimately like what Kevin preached, what we read about Revelation like last week is that like ultimately there's going to be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. Ultimately, but now we're still in the suffering part, and he's not saying I'm just going to end all the suffering. So if you follow me, nothing bad is ever going to happen. He's saying bad things are going to happen. Some of them are going to happen literally because you're following me, <laughs> but I'm going to be with you, and that changes everything. So. I wanted to go through one simple example, which is why on my coloring sheet, which some of you saw, there's a little fish in the loaves. And it's the John 6 story. I'll just read it really quick. If, of, there's a lot of things we get scared of when we share because we forget that Jesus is in charge of things. And when Jesus is in charge of things, things don't work out the way they should. You know, like with me, yeah, if I give John pie and then give everybody else pie, like I don't have pie anymore. That's how it works with me. But when you have God in the picture, things don't always end up that way. And this is the perfect example of it. John 6, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So people were following Jesus because, like, this guy's healing people. Need to find out about that. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw the great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, one of the disciples, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Which is a crazy question. Like, and he asked this only to test him, for he already knew, had in mind what he was going to do. <laughs> so, like, Jesus knows that this is a ridiculous question, you know. It would be like me going, you know, how can I share this Jolly Rancher with everyone in this room, you know? And people would be like, I don't think that's going to work, you know. Um, that wasn't a good metaphor, actually. <laughs> it, but <laughs> you get the point. He's asking him a silly question because he knows it's silly. <laughs> Philip answered him, <laughs> It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough name drop to buy enough bread for each one uh, to have a bite. So he's like, we, if we took like half a year's money, we everybody still wouldn't be full. And another disciple, Andrew and Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He's like, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About five thousand men were there. So they're giving you that five thousand because it's like. There's also women and kids, so it's a lot more than that, you know. Um, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, and when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley <laughs> That's funny how that's written. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come to the world. And Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So the story here is 
Jesus gives us, meaning you and me, we're like Philip in this thing. It's like, Jesus is like, how are we going to save the world? And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't, I don't even like, I barely talk to even other people at work. You're going to save the world? You know, like, I don't get how that works. And he's like, and they're like, well, we did, like, there's this kind of questioning that happens. And again, there's multiple versions of these stories in the Gospels, and they kind of harmonize together. The kind of what have you got question is in some of them. Jesus goes, okay, fine, fair enough. You don't have half a year's wages or whatever. I get it. He's like, but what do you have? And they're like, this kid here has some food because no one else thought to bring any. I, I always think it's interesting that it's a kid. You know, he's like, so, and so, Jesus takes that, blesses it, and then gives it to everybody. And not only, and they're trying to make a point here. It's like not only it's like, and then everybody lived happily ever after. They're like, yeah. And it was also baskets full of leftover stuff. Like not only did he make it enough to accomplish what he needed, there's like leftovers, which is not necessary. And he makes it very clear point. There's more leftovers. Like the leftovers are bigger. It's not like and the five loaves will still there when you know. There's more than what they started with, just because. They did what he said. Now, this is not a weird way to, like, trick God into, like, okay, now that I have pie, I'll share it with people because I'll always, God will always magically give me more pie. No, again, that's keeping you in the driver's seat. What I'm saying is when God puts before you this thing to do, which is impossible, you can't do it, and he knows you can't do it. He just says, well, what do you have? And you go, well, we have this nothing to do that crazy thing you just said. He's like, that's fine. Because when God gets involved, that's what happens. We all know this. We just need to live like it. And what I'm saying is I think we have within, we've had the whole time, we still have on our wall a guide to do this. It's literally sharing the gospel and sharing our lives with people. And here's the result, right? Because I told you, uh, the whole book of Thessalonians, Paul's kind of like, talking to his friends, and he's like, hey, remember this, and remember that, and all that kind of thing. First Thessalonians 4, uh, 1, 4 through 10, I'm just going to read this little chunk, and then I'm going to pray, because this is going to be the end of the service. He said, for we, know, for we know, brothers and sisters, for we know, brothers and sisters, lo- loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. They believed this stuff, you know. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Remember, he's talking about sharing the gospel. You know how we lived among you. Like, I don't have to remind you. You were there. You know how we lived among you. You became imitators of us and the Lord. You see what I'm saying? They were living there. Other people were paying attention. They became imitating Paul. And Paul's, if you're imitating me, you're imitating Christ. So you're imitating God. This is discipleship. But it's not like always just like a school program you need to go to. It's a way of living, okay? For you welcome the message, the gospel, in the midst of severe suffering, like I said, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, the joy that doesn't make sense. It's joy inside suffering. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So you were, your way of living now, you imitated him, or you imitated God, now they're imitating you. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. <laughs> For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols. How many of y'all know our culture is full of idols? They know that you turn from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven 
whom he has raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the whole blueprint. Sharing the gospel and sharing our lives creates this environment of world-changing everything. And, and it's not something like one person does. It's something that we all do, and everybody has a small part of it. And I guarantee you, your part will be terrifying and completely, like, fun, actually. You know, there's this weird mix of how God operates like that. Because I'm telling you, Philip, when he first says it, when Jesus is like, hey, you know, there's other versions of that gospel where Jesus, they're like, hey, there's a lot of people here. You should probably send them away so they can get food. He's like, you feed them. And they're like, wait a minute. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's going to be times when God says to you, you feed them. And you're going to be like, I don't feed them. You know, I don't do that. You know, but he's really just testing you. And then something fun happens because you trusted him. And trusting Jesus is the only way that we as Christian people can live. Or else we might not be following Jesus at all. So, I think that we can all live this out. And I think that this is a good year to do it. And I think we have been living it out. But I think we can all take it to the next level. And I think that God will show you how to do that. And then the rest will just happen like that last part. So I think what I'm going to do, there's two things that um, I want to say. I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to have the chili cook-off. Sorry, people online, you don't get any. But we're going to have the chili cook-off. And uh, there are prizes. Uh, Kevin has prizes for the best overall, the hottest, and the most creative. So those are the three categories. And there's secret judging going on. So there's no influencing of anyone. But we're also, so like I said, this Friday is the prayer service, and I want you guys to know about that so you can come take part in it, because it will be an awesome thing. Um, but also, we're going to be doing another thing uh, starting at the end of the services now. We're going to start today. So we have two couples that are ready. They're going to come up. We're going to have a prayer team. We're going to have people that are gathered over here by the doors, and uh, maybe we'll just do it over here today, this side. Um, um, but if you need prayer, this is going to be a time that we have corporately available for you People that can pray for you that are good at praying for people. And it's an important thing you see in the Bible all the time, instructions about getting when you're praying for each other, when you're praying for each other. This is an important time where we're going to do that. And so we have people that are going to be by the, most Sundays they'll be by each of the doors. And if, hey, Shar, are you guys going to move? Y'all go ahead and move out. So we'll have people by each door. So if you need prayer, even though we're going to start the chili thing, come on up and get prayer. And then we're going to have this during each service so you can know that that's going to be something that we do, Okay. So stand up and let's pray for this year and for the chili and for our church. So, Father, we pray that you would put inside of us this verse, that we would carry it um, deeply, that we would own it, that you would show us how we can be a part of this, that we can love people so much that we're delighted to share with them the gospel and our lives. And I pray that we can live it out fully, and I pray that we can accomplish all that you would have us accomplish in this time. And we pray that you would bless this chili cook-off. We pray that you would help it to be awesome and that you would bless these times of prayer and these prayer ministry times that happen at the end of our service. And bless the prayer, 24-hour prayer thing next week, Lord. We pray that it would be filled with your presence, and we just pray that you would guide us uh, clearly into this next year, Lord. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Well, online people. See you guys right now.